everyone, and welcome to One Control Core Podcast, episode 211. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games. We'll be doing things a little out of order this week, though. I mainly played a lot of Nier the last week, and I finished up all the story content in that. So I'll be talking about that at the end of the episode. Uh, We'll be getting into spoilers. I'll be breaking it up into two sections. The first part being about, you know... Uh, all the stuff that's in the original game, and the second part being actually stuff that they they added, specifically ending E. I might not distinguish it so much outside of just the fact that one is ending E and one of the other old endings, basically. Um, so I'll I'll let you know when we get there, but I want that at the end so you can stop listening to that when you are ready. Uh, and then we'll also talk about a little bit about Goku Denzetsu Magic Beast Warriors a bit, but. We're going to get started with news this week, um, and as I promised last week, we're going to talk about the Nintendo Direct. As I said earlier, I kind of want to try to make a talk about these on a very high level. I assume most people watching this probably are watching these things, uh, at least the Nintendo Direct, right? So I'm going to guess I don't need to tell you everything that was announced. Uh, but it was a good show in general. I mean, I think it's one of those things that it would, in a normal year, it probably would be viewed as a little light. But because everything else was a little light this year, uh, it, it came off as being a, a, a kind of a standout uh, uh, showcase. You know, obviously Sony didn't show anything this time around. But with Microsoft not really showing gameplay for a lot of their games, I think it kind of left a lot to be desired. Um, and and I think generally people were happy with the show. Um, there, there were... Uh, some fun announcements in there. A lot of them just didn't really apply to me because for various reasons. Um, actually, most of them actually. Um, so like Advanced Wars one and two remake. That's really cool. I'm glad Advanced Wars is finally coming back. It is a remake, so a little little eh on that. But uh, you know, I've got Advanced Wars one that I've never beaten. That's sitting on my Game Boy Advance that I that I still need to get to. So like, I I, I am not in need of Advanced Wars, and I can buy other Advanced Wars games if I need more um but still cool that they're doing a remake i think it looks a little plain though uh visually i don't know it's like the the actual 3d models just don't like have a lot going on with them and i think the 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 kind of drawn live 2d art kind of thing also leaves a little bit to be desired apparently way forward's working on it and i i don't know something about it doesn't read as like a way forward game to me in terms of visuals i usually expect a bit more I don't know if life is the right word, but I, I feel like there's a lot more personality and character to, to the, the visual design of their games. But, you know, I've never really played that many WayForward games, if any, maybe. I, I have to go back and look. I don't think I've played any WayForward games. Oh, uh, Mighty Switch Switch Force? That's a that's a WayForward game. I think I played through all that on 3DS. But, uh, yeah, it just looks a little plain. But, you know, I'm going to guess it's going to be a great version of that game in terms of gameplay at the very least. Who knows? Maybe they have the ability for you to switch back to the original pixel art. Uh, I don't think they really said anything yet on that. But, uh, yeah, it just doesn't really really apply to me because there are other Advanced Wars games I can get if I need to. Um, same thing with WarioWare. Like, WarioWare, cool announcement. I'm glad it's coming. Uh, there are WarioWare games I haven't played still, like Twisted. Uh, I didn't play the 3DS one. All that's kind of like a remake as well. It's like a greatest hits kind of thing. So, you know, it, 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 they're just things that I think are cool, but I just, 
there's not an immediate value to me on them. Same thing with Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread was kind of the big announcement of that show. I think in normal years, Metroid Dread probably would have been a smaller announcement alongside other things in there. It would have been like a, a cool note in that, that press conference. But um, I don't think it would have stood out as nearly as much as it did this year, which maybe for the best. I see a lot of people saying like, oh, this is the time for Metroid to succeed. It's on a po popular platform. It, the, the release window is basically wide open the back half of this year. So if Nintendo fans are going to finally give Metroid the sales it deserves, now's the time. So it'd be curious to see how it actually does, because I, I think it's, it's a good point that if it doesn't do well in this environment, Metroid will probably always be kind of that like sub tier Nintendo franchise. As big as, big as people make a, a deal of it, it is definitely one of the, the lesser selling Nintendo franchises. Um, but I think it's really cool that that, that thing is a, is a full-on sequel to Metroid Fusion. Um, you know, I think Metroid Fusion was like 2002 or something like that. So it's been a long time. Obviously, there's been 2D Metroids. They, they said in the press conference, like, oh, it's been 19 years since the last mainline 2D Metroid, which is true. Um, but, but you have other M, which is like 2.5D. I know, I know people don't like other M, but it's still that kind of thing. Um, and then also there was the Samus, uh, or Metroid 2 remake. I don't know about that game a ton, but the impression I got was that it was so different. It, it more, more or less may have well been a new game, kind of like with the Final Fantasy VII remake kind of thing. I do think there's value in creating an entirely new environment though, and, and things like that. So, so maybe not as extreme as a gap as they, they said, but in terms of mainline Metroid games that are 2D, for sure. It's been 19 years. It's very cool. I'm glad it got announced. One thing I do respect about the game is it has a gimmick. It has like a stealth gimmick to it where you have this robot you're running from. Um, I'm not a big, I'm not a big a fan of A, stealth, B, unkillable things that chase you around. Although that B only really matters to me when there's like expendable resources usually like a resident evil game i do not like unkillable things that chase you in resident evil because anytime you use a resource on them it feels like a complete waste to me um so so i'm not a huge fan of those kind of things but i appreciate what they're trying to do with it and and again i'm not the person for this game so so i think you know i think people seem excited for it i think people people enjoy it i did see people complaining about the graphics a bit and it being like a 60 dollars price point but i I don't know. I think I think a lot of those complaints came from the fact it's been so light this year at E3. This game got kind of put up on a pedestal in a way that it normally wouldn't, and so people kind of started kicking it a bit um, if they if they didn't if they didn't like it. So I think it looks good. I think it looks cool. Will I ever play it? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know the Metroid situation for me. I've only ever played Prime Hunters and uh federation force and the original metro prime i always forget i played the original metro prime i don't have a great memory of that game though um i played it when i was like 12 and i did not like it uh, at the time so i don't know what my plan is for metroid uh probably there is no plan <laughs> i will probably die without playing more metroid um but i have like super metroid on the snes classic um i got metroid prime trilogy on the wii u so there are places for me to play metroid whenever i'm ready right after this podcast just gonna jump right in there i also have metroid fusion on the 3ds actually so so yeah but yeah overall though i think it was fine it was a good show just nothing per per personally for me if you had battalion wars instead of advanced wars then i'd be like yeah i'm up for it but that doesn't mean it's a bad show and you, uh, honestly the reality is is that i have a ton of video games around and if you don't show anything that's gonna be for me part of me is like whew, whew. 
<laughs> like, I don't, I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to worry about playing this thing. I did go ahead and order Monster Hunter Stories too. I just love that Monster Hunter Stories game so much from what I've played of it that I really want to support that game when it comes out. So, so I, I went ahead and ordered that and I think I will play it eventually, but I need to play the Monster Hunter Stories one first, obviously. So, and I have my 3DS capture card so I can like f not feel so bad about playing it because now I can be like, oh yeah, I can capture footage and I can talk about it if I need to. So, you know, it, it, it just not, wasn't really something for me at the, or nothing there was really something for me. I think the big things I would have wanted was, um, Monolith Soft, you know, game, preferably new IP, but I, I think at this point, Maybe it's me just being overly pessimistic, but I feel like we're probably just going to get Xeno stuff out of Monolith Soft, and if, if they put out anything, it's going to be Xeno branded in some way and share some themes. I want them to start fresh, but, you know, I'm not going to complain about Monolith Soft putting out video games. I complained about Xenoblade Chronicles 2 being a thing, and I still really liked that game, so, so yeah. Um, Buddy Mission Bond localization, although there there is a Buddy Mission Bond localization for um, Korea... Taiwan and China, although I think Taiwan and China both use Chinese, um, so but they they at least are releasing it in those regions, which is which is cool. I'm glad they're doing that. If, if they haven't already done it, actually, I just I was looking at the the Twitter feed for Buddy Mission Bond and um and they just had like those pages listed for for those those uh those new regions that they're they're putting it out in. Um, they're also doing Buddy Mission Bond drama CDs, Nintendo. Where were you at this E3 with those Buddy Mission drama CDs? We should have, they should have been there. <laughs> no, they, they have three of them coming out on the back half of this year. You know, being completely in Japanese, I probably have no business owning them, says the man with four First Kiss Story drama CDs. <laughs> but, you know, those were like a dollar each, those First Kiss Story drama CDs. Uh, I'm going to guess these are going to be decently priced for a while to, to an extent that I should not purchase or own them so i got the buddy mission uh ost so we'll we'll live with that if i learn japanese someday maybe i can actually listen to the buddy mission bond uh uh, uh drama cds so uh but yeah i think those are kind of big things i think i would like something more along the lines of like remember that like uh hyrule rhythm rpg i can't remember it's like could this could something of hyrule uh, there's like a rhythm Zelda game that they put out a while ago. And while I don't particularly care for that game specifically, I would have liked something like that, like, or another like Metroid other M kind of situation, have another team create a new game in, in a, a franchise that is outside of the genre Nintendo would typically, typically make. Um, I think Hyrule Warriors was a very cool thing initially, but I, I'm not super interested in that calamity one, uh, especially since they already did Hyrule Warriors in the past. So I, I, I would like to see some something new there as well or would have liked to see something new but again it still was a good show just not a lot for me personally um in terms of other news this week uh some smaller items here but i think they're worth talking about because some of these are, are follow-ups on things we've talked about in the past uh blaster master zero three was originally coming to the xbox without blaster master zero one or two being on xbox which is kind of a weird thing uh they announced that they're actually going to release blaster master zero one and two two weeks before Blaster Master Zero 3. So cool on them. <laughs> that seems very weird to be like, we're going to announce Blaster Master Zero 3 for the Xbox and then 1 and 2 for the Xbox many months later. <laughs> what a strange thing. I did pick up Blaster Master Trilogy, by the way. It was probably a bad decision. Um, and I'm going to send my copies of Blaster Master Zero 1 and 2 to a friend. I just, I don't know. I feel like I just want to not really deal with the limited run games thing and having the first two, but not the third one. I'm just like, I'd rather just have the trilogy all in one package and just leave it at that. But yeah, I don't know. But and 
give 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 the copies to my friend. They give me a copy of of uh uh what's that game? The what's the movie? Matrix, Enter the Matrix. Um, they gave me a copy of Enter the Matrix to the GameCube. So, a trade of equal value, probably, maybe not. <laughs> so I'll give that to them. Uh, Valus is getting a collection, I believe, on the Switch specifically. Maybe some more platforms. I only remember seeing the Switch though. If you don't know what Valus is, it's this uh kind of old school 2D action RPG. Maybe not action RPG is the right word kind of hack and slash platformer kind of thing i don't know it's, it's one of those games that has like the meter that fills up and then like when you let the meter fill all the way up you attack and it drains it down so like if you attack too quickly you do like less damage or at least that's the one i remember seeing the most um but there's a lot of games in that series and it's got like that cool 90s anime aesthetic lady in a bikini armor kind of thing with a sword running around attacking aliens and stuff so i always thought that it looked visually appear- appealing at the time when i was looking at those games you know years and years ago uh, but I haven't never really owned the platforms they were on. Um, I don't have a Super Nintendo or Genesis or TurboGrafx. I'm when it comes to 16-bit video games, I do not own many platforms at all. <laughs> I mean, I grew up with Super Nintendo and things like that, but I don't own a Super Nintendo, so it's 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 a big, pretty big blind spot for me. So any kind of like Super Nintendo stuff I've done throughout the last decade or so has been all thanks to Virtual Console and things like that. Um, I think it's kind of funny that I'm, I got like so into the PCFX without like having anything to do with the PC engine. I think most people go from PC engine to PCFX. I don't know how I got to the PCFX. I guess through the PlayStation, right? Blue Breaker Burst 2. That is how I got to the PCFX. And that game, like the more I think about what the PCFX is, the more I think about Blue Breaker Burst 2 being very PCX, PCFX-ish. And the reason I liked Blue Breaker Burst 2 is probably why I ended up liking the PCFX, to be honest with you. We'll get more into PCFX stuff when I'm actually done with that video. Um, anyways, so Valus Collection, cool. I hope that comes out um, in, in the US. I think it's only announced for Japan right now. Um, Dead or Alive Venus Vacation, speaking of coming out outside of Japan, uh, is getting a official uh, US release, apparently. So if you don't know, there was a, hey, there's the Japanese version of Dead or Alive Venus Vacation that was on like DMM games and stuff like that. So on PC. And if you don't know what that game is, basically it's, you know, dead or alive ladies in bikinis playing volleyball. But since it's a, uh, a gotcha game, it doesn't have actual like volleyball in it. It's just like feeding swimsuits into other swimsuits, which increases those swimsuit stats. And then that determines how the girls play volleyball based off the stats of their swimsuits kind of thing. Um, so, so it's, it's very much a mobile game kind of thing. Uh, but they released this on Steam a while ago in English but it is region locked to, I think, Asia specifically. Um, so apparently they are finally releasing it where you can actually play it within U.S. without having to worry about being in a different region. Uh, the publisher apparently is this publisher called jo- jo- Ren? Jo- J-O-H-R-E-N. Uh, if you are w- at work, do not look them up because their website is 18 plus content across the board. Uh, which is kind of funny that Venus Vacation is on there because Venus Vacation is not an 18 plus game at all. Because uh, if you go look at their website, it's like a bunch of the usual kind of arrow gay stuff you you would expect from like if you go to like DL side or or certain sections of Manga Gamer or or uh, like the, the the software category of J List, right? It's like stuff where it's like. The title of this video game is some raunchy stuff, <laughs> and and it's just like if you look at the box, you're like, yep, that's that is just pornography. <laughs> um, that's not to say there isn't good story in there for sure. I'm, I mean, I, I I'm sure it varies per game, right? 
Um, there, there are games that have good story and games that are just about getting, getting you where you need to go with your life and your body. Um, but, but it was kind of funny to see Venus vacation on there, um, with, with all that other stuff, considering it's not that erotic or anything other than just ladies in bikinis kind of thing. Um, but I think what's, what's kind of interesting about it is that they actually run a lot of H game gotcha games on that website. And I have to wonder how big of a player base do you need to keep those games up, right? Like, how many people are playing H-game gotcha games? I wonder. I mean, I think if anything's taught us taught us anything, like, in the last five to ten years, like, games like Ark and things like that, you're like, who's playing this? And apparently, the entire world. So maybe everybody's playing H-games on joheyren.net or whatever it's called, joheyren.com. Um, so maybe it's, maybe some crazy thing. Um, but I just, I had to wonder just like what that player base looks like to keep all those games up and running, uh, especially running it on like a PC. Although I think they have mobile games as well on there. So anyways, neat that it's coming over. I, d- I played Dead or Alive Venus Vacation back when it first came out in Japan, like 2017, I think. Uh, I didn't love it personally, but, uh, in terms of gameplay, at least, you know, it's very much that kind of feed stuff and other stuff to make things more powerful kind of thing, which I think is fine, honestly. Like, it's a, it's a solid type of those games, but there's so many of those kind of games. Uh, and then, at least it has, like, a somewhat unique presentation. It's like, it's, it's, it's like okay, you're going to be playing volleyball with these outfits that you're feeding into each other. Um, but there's 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 a lot of those kind of games out there. Uh, big thing is just aesthetics and um, presentation and, and, like, music and things like that. Music is the number one thing. I love the Dead or Alive Venus Vacation soundtrack. It is just so good. It is like if you took Crush 40 and said, okay, Crush 40, we need you to make music for this like romance thing where, where all the songs are talking about how you two, these two people love each other and and you're going to go out on a jet ski in the water and like, yeah, this is good music. That's just like very literal about being on the beach and just doing stuff kind of thing. So, so yeah. Video games. I'm glad that finally is getting its US release. I will never play it because I don't think it's a very great, very good game. <laughs> it's not a. I'm not getting into it anymore. I already explained myself. I don't think it's not. I don't think it's a bad game. Um, there's another game called Demon Throttle that that was announced. This is actually announced uh, last week. I probably should have talked about it on the podcast last week. This is during the Devolver show. I thought this game looked pretty cool. It's, it's like a King's Knight looking thing where you're, you're these two characters at the bottom of the screen and you're like constantly scrolling forward and then you like have these little like projectiles. It, it looks very much like a King's Knight clone kind of thing. And I, I liked how it looked aesthetically. Um, it looks like an NES game, but I think it looks like an NES game that f- stays pretty true to what an NES game looks like. I think there are a lot of games out there that are like, we're 8-bit graphics, and they don't really look like 8-bit graphics. And I feel like this game is pretty dang close, um, but, you know, I'm not not a, I'm not 100% certain of what the technical specifications of what an NES are, right? I just know bl- they use the color blue because that makes the Mega Man have the more detail. <laughs> I don't know. That was the thing that everyone always said. was like, why is Mega Man blue? Because there's more shades of blue on the NES than any other color or something weird like that. Um, but it looks neat. Uh, the, people got mad about this. Apparently, it's a Switch physical only thing specifically, which is really kind of weird. Um, so people were all upset about them only taking orders with it within a particular period of time. Uh, you know, I think you guys know my feelings on limited run games. I've explained it enough where if you're just going to you know, kind of 
art, not artificially limit the, t- the time you can buy a game, but if you're just going to have like, hey, here's a month where you can buy something and it's not going to show up at your house for two years. I, at this point, I'm pretty much done with that kind of stuff. I went to their website just because I was curious to see what it, what like if it was still in stock or if they're doing pre-orders or anything like that. I don't think I would have bought it myself. Um, but uh, they, they actually had you like wait in a queue on their website. It was like, okay, sit on the website for five minutes. And I was like, well, I am not patient enough to even look at this. Admittedly, I was not planning to buy it, though. So, so yeah. But it looks neat. It looks like a fun little thing. Uh, and then there's also some game called Tinykin, which is like a Pikmin-looking thing. But it's got, like, the uh, Time and Eternity, like, 2D character in a 3D environment kind of thing running around. It looks pretty nice. Apparently, it's the publisher of Hello Neighbor, which, if you don't know, I played Hello Neighbor on this website many years ago. And I don't really know why. It's a weird game. It's such a strange thing. I don't know if I liked it or not, to be honest with you. Uh, but it, I was, I'm was i glad I played it because it was such an odd experience. Um, just from the fact of not even like being like, oh, the game's story is odd or something. It's just like this broken PS4 game that was like super physics based. And then you could just like do random garbage, like shove tables through walls and hit levers and open gates that way. And like the, like the, everything was just like so... I don't, I don't want to say poorly put together, but very loosely put together in a way that like everything felt like it's going to fall apart at every moment of the way. Maybe that maybe something about the PlayStation four version specifically, but yeah, I don't know that that thing was such a weird thing, but anyway, same publishers apparently as that game. So hello neighbor, apparently one of those other games where like every other person in the world has played it. Uh, but I never see anybody talk about it ever. So that's pretty much in terms of new stuff I want to talk about this week. So that is that. Uh, in terms of games I played, I played Goku Densetsu Magic Beast Warriors, which if you don't know what that was, we actually played it on stream a little bit a little while ago. If you look at the uh, YouTube, you'll see a a post called Become Monkey or something like that, and that's, that's me playing that game. Uh, if you didn't see it on stream, though, it's basically a straightforward 2D fighting game. You know, uh, it's based off the Journey to the West thing. So there's a guy named Goku that's a monkey man not actual Goku from Dragon Ball Z, and then a bunch of other characters that are probably also similarly named to other Dragon Ball Z characters because those are based on the same thing. Um, it's fine. It's just Street Fighter inputs to do specials. You know, it's a little a little budget, a little rough in some ways, but it feels good to play. So I think that's all that really matters. Um, but it doesn't have any kind of unique gimmicks as far as I can tell in terms of gameplay. So I, I more or less was just like, okay, whatever, whatever I can do to get me through this video game I will do that. So I very much just kind of cheesed out most of the enemies by um, doing like an overhead swing and then like this like poke with 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 Goku's rod kind of thing. And most of the AI did not know how to really deal with that. So I was like, okay, I'll just kind of shove my way through the game with this. Um, it does have a story mode, but it's only one story mode. So even though you can select multiple characters, all the characters are together in a group essentially as you go through it. So they are all involved in the cutscenes. The the big gimmick and fun thing about this game is that everybody is in uh full body like rubber suits. So it's like a dude in a suit as playing Goku kind of thing. It's just like video recorded on a green screen basically um with really weird backgrounds. It's 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 a really fun thing to just like sit down and spend a little bit of time with. The biggest problem is is that uh the continue system you you can run out of lives. So if you if you don't really figure out the game uh, initially or how to cheese it initially, you know, you might have to continue a few times or, or, or start over from the beginning a few times rather. I had to continue about four or five times or, or start over about four or five times. Uh, but once I found the way that I could cheese it, then I was like, all right, 
going to go through this without any resistance and basically got through it without losing once or or if I, I just lost like individual rounds or something like that as well so it's just like a fun thing to kind of look at I'm glad I found it and bought it blindly um, you know if I had looked it up beforehand before buying it I probably would not have picked it up just because I would have looked at it and be like huh this is a weird thing and then left it at that kind of thing I actually thought it was gonna be like a 2d action game kind of thing which I would have preferred but you know eh it's, I got what I needed out of it. Fun people in costumes. And and then and the credits, like the, the fun thing is in, in the credits, um, they have like production shoots too. So you can see the dude who's in Goku's outfit with his mask off, just like sitting there smiling. And then there you see everybody like standing in front of the green screen and like some guy getting or talking this uh, one person through their their lines or something. It's like a fun thing. I, I like those kind of things. That I, it would be kind of neat to see more games that put like their staff in credits again. I feel like that's less of a thing these days. I think credits are like a really interesting part of video games because they there's such a wide range of how credits are handled. Because you have games that are just like black screen, movie theater, we're going to dump text at you. And you're like, okay, this could be 20 minutes of me sitting here waiting to see if something's after the credits, right? Um, but then you have stuff like Resident Evil 4 where, you know, they used just art and things like that to tell a story and they tell a story about like what happens to the the village before you even get there i think that stuff's really cool and then i what i also really love is things like fantasy star online's where they kind of like shove you in in these different uh screenshots and usually they aren't actual screenshots of anything happening which is fine i understand i would prefer there to be actual screenshots i think final fantasy 15 might have had your like prompto pictures in the credits but i had to I, I don't remember for sure about that um but but uh i do appreciate like putting your creative character in the credits as well in like different scenarios that's that's always kind of a a fun thing as well um but yeah like i think like games like tony hawk and things like that i feel like they had it in their credits as well for those and and i feel like i would like to see more of that kind of stuff but maybe maybe there's problems with that these days like i know like easter eggs are really hard to put into video games now because like there, there's just so much that goes into them and, and like the QA testing and then the potential of like, hey, somebody put an Easter egg in, didn't tell somebody that we put South Park on the Tiger Woods PGA Tour game disc. And like, A, we don't own South Park. B, this is an adult cartoon on this E for Everybody game, basically. So so I, I definitely get like wanting to clamp down on that stuff as, as the game industry has gotten bigger, but... Yeah, I really appreciate a developer who spends time putting effort into the credits. I'm not a, I've kind of lost interest in like the play the credits thing. I don't know what it is. It's just like Smash Brothers and Monkey Ball and things like that. Maybe because the playing the credits is always just feels like a shallow experience for the most part. It doesn't really mean anything. It feels like something that just keep your fingers busy while you're just like hanging out on that credit sequence. And I, and I feel like most of the time it doesn't have a lot of value. I think there is space to do something really cool there. I'm going to guess some game somewhere has done something really neat uh, uh, with that. Was it like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1? Did that have like a credit sequence that was kind of neat? I'm trying to remember. Oh, they do like in Call of Duty games, they do like those little like set pieces with like the characters standing around and stuff like that. And I think there's one where like you can press a button and all the characters just start shooting you <laughs> kind of thing. It seemed like a really fun thing. I forget what game that was. Call of Duty, I have not played anything in those games, or I haven't played any of those games since Modern Warfare 2, basically. That series seems like it's doing alright. This seems like they're doing fun things with that series, and I'm glad they are. Maybe, maybe it could get a little more goofy, but, but, you know, eh, you know, eh. Anyways, 
that's it for the for the main podcast. If you want to hang out and hear listen to me talk about Nier, I'll be doing that. But just to kind of get stuff out of the way here real quick, um, I had the Real Heroes Firefighter uh, casual review go up this week. So if you go check out the YouTube page, that'll be up there. It's on the website too. Um, and then also, um, I will probably clip this Nier clip out if it makes sense and then have that posted on the YouTube channel at some point. I do think I will try to start clipping things in the podcast, at least stuff that I think is valuable as individual segments. Um, and I think that might also be where the ca- uh, the community reviews fall into. Maybe we'll open up like a clip category on the YouTube again. I previously had a clip category there, but the way I was handling it was not particularly good. Um, I was cutting it, editing stuff down way too much. And also, um, I, I was not necessarily labeling them the way I think I wanted to label them. I, I, I was being overly restrictive with them. So, so now I just want to kind of keep, keep it, the, the clip largely intact, unless there's like two minutes of me rambling about nothing that matters at all. Um, so, so we might just start doing that with certain news stories or certain games and have those go up, uh, like every other week or something. I, I'm not going to commit to any kind of clip, uh, timeline. I don't want to put a clip out, just put a clip out. I only want to put it if it makes sense, uh, kind of thing. So, so yeah, but anyways, we're going to get to the near discussion. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to start in, or do this in two phases. One, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the, what was you know in the original game for the most part and the comparisons and things like that. Um, and then we're going to talk about Ending E specifically. I'll let you know when we get to Ending E. So yeah, Near Replicant uh, 1.22 is a remake of the original Near that came out in th- on 360 and PS3 in like 2010. Um, a couple of things I'm not going to go too deep in detail here with is, um, you know, the dad versus brother kind of thing. I already made a video about that. So if you have any interest in what I have to say about that and what the differences are, you go watch that. Basically, very minor differences, but the characters themselves, I think, are pretty drastically different from each other in terms of how you perceive them uh, overall. Um, there's also the combat element of the game that was improved. It's kind of like a happy midpoint between the original game and Automata, but I don't think it's like particularly spectacular either. So I don't think it's really worth spending a lot of time on. But if you like how Automata plays, I think you'll generally be fairly happy with how how this game plays as well. Um, so so those are kind of like the surface level improvements of the game. Um, if you look at the rest of the game, it's it's a lot harder to kind of find where the changes were honestly it's it's very structurally similar to the original you have you know uh, uh you play through the game in kind of two parts the first part being the the initial part of the game and then there's a time skip and then you get to the second part of the game and that second part hosts uh four different endings you have ending a b c and d um and that's still true in this game um as 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 the uh the original I love the original Nier a lot, but one of my biggest problems with that game is it's a game that does not respect your time. Um, and that's very much true here. So if you don't know how this game works structurally, is that once you finish ending A in part two, um, you basically uh, have the choice to play through ending B, C, and D, but all of them require you to replay part two to get them. So you're basically playing the back half of the game four times over. The changes are very slight. Um, the first time with ending B, it is somewhat su- more substantial. You get some character story about Emil and Kaine. And just to be upfront with you, personally, I think ending, ending A and Nier is perfectly appropriate and fine. I don't think you really need the rest of it. You're going to get more details about characters and things like that. But I feel like generally you can kind of figure out what's going on with ending A alone, personally. I think it, it gets you like either 90% or 95% of the way there. But anyways, ending B is still worth playing Like if you, if you enjoy the game. But you're going to be doing... Basically basically the same stuff gameplay wise. Um, and you get like these little text sections where you learn more about Kaine and Emil. And then you have ending C and D. And I think ending C and D are very redundant in a lot of ways. Uh, 
mainly because a couple things. One is there's like these sections about Popola and Devola that are, uh, you know, these are the characters that betray you at the end of this game. So they basically try to give you a bit more insight into those characters, but they could have very easily fitted that stuff into ending B. And then ending C and D are basically an extension of ending B in a lot of ways. So so it is just this thing where it's like these these two extra endings at the end feel a little unnecessary i think they probably could have even gotten rid of ending c entirely to be honest with you um because like ending c does some stuff with near and kaine romantically but overall story-wise it doesn't really have a lot of value so so i think they could have either implemented that some way into to the ending b or even honestly i don't think the romance stuff with near and kaine really make makes a ton of sense or at least it doesn't feel necessary so i feel like you probably could just throw that out to be honest um, and then just focus on having ending B and then wrap ending D into ending ending B with that. So it's kind of crazy that they, they structurally did nothing to this game and in some ways made it even worse because they actually made the second half of the game even longer. Um, there's a section of the game that was originally intended to be in there that they actually cut out initially. So it's cool that they added it in with this release and it definitely feels a bit more modern than the rest of the game in a lot of ways. Um, but it is a section of the game where you're like on this boat and it's a forced walking section, which is fun and fine the first time you go through this boat. You'll learn more about what's going on in the boat, read some text, and then you fight this uh, this this girl, essentially, that is actually a shade or whatever. Um, but when you're doing this three more times, the forced walking is just like a, oh my god, please, near, please move faster kind of thing. And and it just feels like, it feels like they could have, I don't know, the... the them asking you to replay the game so many times, like, and adding a forced walking section just seems like a weird choice to make uh, on that. Um, we're about to transition to talking about ending E a little bit, so I'm going to warn you now, if you if you don't want to hear about ending E, you know, we're going to get into that spoiler territory here. So with ending E specifically, um, you have to play through the beginning of the game again. So, like, it's it, it gets, like, even worse because then you're playing through that first half of the game yet again. Like, admittedly, it's not part two again at the very least, but it's just... So much, so much replaying the same stuff with so little change. And so to some degree, you know, you do kind of learn to get through the game as fast as you can, but there's just not any value to it at some point, especially when you start losing, you know, there's this less and less story stuff to really get out of it. The ending E like drive from, you know, point A to point B where you need to get to, to start seeing ending E is basically unchanged even. So it's just like, oh my God, please. I just need some new content out of this video game after I spent, you know, 12 to 15 hours just burning through the same stuff over and over and over again i've seen some people say that like oh this is yoko taro doing his usual trolling thing so you shouldn't think too much about it and i get it i guess but it's just it's not a good excuse to me honestly it's just like it just feels like instead of touching the game they decided that they're just going to kind of leave it intact and and i think there's some value in that but I, I think there was a lot of space that they really could have improved the structure of the game in, in a remake. And just leaving it alone, I think, does not, you know... It was already known to be a problem in that original game. So leaving it alone, I think, is just them being too scared to do anything to touch it um, uh, with that. But, yeah. Anyways, ending E, specifically, getting into that, um, is very cool content-wise, though. Like, basically, it's a, it's a section of the game where you get to play as Kaine, which is very cool. They should have implemented that earlier in my opinion probably probably play through ending b as kine or something like that personally is what i would want 
but you get to play through through the section this last like hour of the game as Kaine, and she plays she has a unique play style. It's very fun and fine to, to play through. It's not anything super special, but but she's a very fast and aggressive character in a way Nier isn't really. Maybe closer to like what you would expect out of a of a out of a automata actually. Um, but it is a bit more grounded still, and and it's not too mashy again, which I think is my biggest problem with the automata is just it being very mashy. Um, so you gotta kind of go through this area, and it eventually kind of transforms into a very like automata like environment. You're inside of a computer system, and there's like a bunch of metal and stuff like that too. Um, so in in that regard, I think it's it's a little. I think it does a good job of not becoming cheap in the way that it references Automata. It feels like it's very aesthetic kind of thing, but it's not really something that is like, oh, here's 2B here, and 2B is going to be like Kine or something like that. Like, it, it does not do that, thankfully. Um, it just basically kind of connects those two worlds as, as you know, being computer simulation kind of stuff, or, or at least the computer stuff part of that world. I'm not a near lore expert. As much as I like near, I'm very dumb, straightforward boy when it comes to storytelling. And, and I will not really read into that stuff. And, and I'm sure somebody could tell you the significance of it, but aesthetically, I think it's like a nice thing. And, and they do a lot with this final boss fight you do with Kaine, where you kind of go through a boss rush of the game. Um, but they kind of rework the boss fights in a way that make their challenges, the, the, the fights a little bit more interesting. Um, so I think that's a fun way for them to kind of reuse those assets while also making a new experience kind of thing. So it's a very fun thing to play through again, only like an hour though. And you have to play through the second half of the game three times over. And then the third, first half of the game again, once time over. So I don't think it's really worth it for most people. Probably you probably can just go look it up on YouTube and feel good about it. Um, but, but it is a fun section of the game that much. I will say you get a lot more of like a Neil, uh, a meal and kind dialogue, which is good. Um, it's, it is, is well-written dialogue in, in that section of the game for sure. My problem with ending E, unfortunately, is that it is a ending that undermines the rest of the game, in my opinion. Um, kind of, if you don't know what happens at the end of ending D, basically, uh, you you get the choice to give up your existence for Kaine, so Kaine can live on. Um, so Nier is literally, he doesn't just die, he is wiped out of existence, so nobody remembers the fact that he's there. They also delete all your save files. Um, and so I think that's an ending that had a lot of impact. Um, I thought it was a little cheap that they kind of reused it to some degree in Automata to some extent, but Hey, maybe Drakengard does the same thing. And I'm just like ignorant to that. But, but in the case of at least the near brand, uh, you know, just redoing that at the end of Automata always felt a little bit cheap. And so, um, what they do in this game is essentially they let you recover your save file and bring near back to life. And I'm not a fan of games that don't commit to their bad endings. Uh, you know, near is gone and near should be gone. I feel like at the end of that story, like it is a game that is so much about people sacrificing themselves for near and to end it with near ultimately sacrificing himself for somebody else. I think is a very good ending. And, and, giving giving you or giving the, the the story a an out at that point i think just makes it feel like it's just them trying to you know make certain fans ha happy <laughs> like i think i think more games need to commit to those bad endings so they they they, they make the impact that they make and, and it's not bad for a game to end on an ending like that in my opinion um but it's just always this like i don't know what it is this feel of a need to make sure there's a happy ending for everybody all the time, which just, I don't think that's necessary in storytelling. Um, 
you know, it's just probably my biggest pet peeve with video games is just anytime you can you can get an out on that stuff. Um, like commit to your commit to your your story choices is my opinion. And ending E doesn't commit. You bring near back, and it kind of it kind of gets rid of the impact of ending D. Um, apparently, this is something that was already in like a book somewhere that was released after the game came out. The original game came out. I don't care what's in a book. <laughs> like that's not that's not a part of the video game in, in my opinion. If it's canon kind of thing, like like in terms of actually talking about the video game itself. You know, I think I think ending D was a really big impactful ending, especially at the time where you had to basically wipe out everything you had about Nier. Um, and and if you wanted to play the game again, you have to start over from from scratch, basically. Um, and I just think it kind of undermines that a little bit. Anyways, I do want to say though that the the, the remake for Nier Replicant is is very good game overall. Though it is it is the better way to play that game probably. My one my one grief at this point really is just. Uh, the Papa Nier not being in there as an option. You should at least be able to choose Papa Nier. You know, Automata sold well enough that I really think the budget would have been worth it to, to, to go and implement that character personally. But, you know, whatever. It's it's not that big of a deal. That's me griefing on my own. So, but yeah. Anyways, that's it for this week. I already did all my plugs and everything. So thank you so much for coming. Um, otherwise, I will talk to you next time. Bye.